Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. We all love playing computer games, but are we wasting our time or learning something valuable? Hello everyone, Kevin Cruz here, and in just a minute, we're going to talk about games for learning. But first, LeadX Nation, let me speak as a friend. Do you want to be considered a high potential at work? HR folks call those people hypos, not hippos, but hypos. If you want to be viewed as a high potential, as a high achiever, then hop on over to leadx.org, that's O-R-G, and sign up for our newsletter. You're going to get a daily challenge. Subscribers have already heard the daily challenge from Dan Pink. Dan Pink said, write this one thing up on your board or on a piece of paper on your desk, and you're going to get massive productivity. We heard from Dick Axelrod, who told us he challenged us to start every meeting with this one-minute practice that totally changes the energy level in your meeting. Every day, we're getting a thought leader giving us help on how we can get just a little bit better. That's leadx.org. Now, today, our guest... He is the world's leading expert on using games for learning. He is a professor of instructional technology at Bloomsburg University, a TEDx speaker, founder of the educational game firm, The Wisdom Learning Group. He's the author of seven books, and his latest is Play to Learn, Everything You Need to Know About Designing Effective Learning Games. Our guest and my good friend is Dr. Carl Kopp. Carl, welcome to the show. Kevin, thanks. Yeah, it's great to be here. Thank you very much. We'll have some fun. And we're going we're gonna to talk about Play to Learn in just a minute. But first, share with us a time, maybe early in your career, when you failed at something. And what did you learn from it? <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Picking just one is, is tough. But let me, uh, <laughs> let me start with uh, really early in my career, I was doing training, a lot of stand-up training and computer-based training and everything. And every time the president of the company came in, like stepped in the back or I had to do a presentation for him, I always messed it up. I got really nervous because the CEO was in the room. And finally, one of the sales guys pulled me aside and says, Carl, like, what is up with you? And I said, well, what do you mean what's up with me? Because you're a great presenter and everything, but every time the CEO comes into the room, you just fall apart. Like, what's going on? And so I'm like, oh, I never thought of that. And then I realized I was intimidated by the CEO of the company. Mm. So I really had to work hard to not be intimidated by the CEO and understand that if the situation warranted me presenting to him, then I needed to present as if I was on the same level and providing, you know, information that he thought was valuable. So that was that was one of the mistakes I, I made early on. Another one was um, I was working for this company. They did consulting and they had a government group and they had a corporate side. And uh, I was kind of in the middle between projects, you know, kind of had to bid on projects and I went to my manager and, and she's like, well, where do you want to be? And I said, well, I want to find out, you know, really what's best for me, where I should fit. And she's like, what do you mean? And she took one look at me and said, you're being manipulative. I said, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not being manipulative. I'm just trying to find out like where it would be the best for me. And she's like, no, no, no. And that was really not a – the conversation went downhill from there, right? So I really learned that putting all your cards on the table sometimes is not the best uh, move in poker there. 
I think that's a funny story because of course, you know, like a hot theme these days is like authenticity and vulnerability and be yourself. But you just shared that sometimes you can overshare. Exactly. Yes. Yes. That was, that was quite an eye opening. Uh, and I came home, I was so livid. Like I'm not manipulative. Blah, 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 blah. My wife's like, well, maybe you were being a little manipulative. I'm like, no, I'm like, I just want to find out what's best for me, which in turn would be best for the company, but that's not the way the company thought. So, right. Yes, right. Yes. You have to mention that second part and then leave that first part silent. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, Carl, so let's talk about your new book, Play to Learn. And I think there's going to be some people out there, you know, who are skeptical, like, you know, we're wasting our time on games and I don't want my employees playing games and all that kind of stuff. So why do you think games are effective and are they better for teaching, you know, certain topics and maybe not other types of topics? Right. Yeah. That's a really good question. I always say, you know, years ago, game was a four letter word in corporations and, <laughs> and, you know, now some places it still is. So the one thing I think that people don't realize about games is they're well designed is they can provide a really great aha moment. So an example would be there's a game called the beer distribution game. It was actually created in the 1960s. Uh, at MIT. And basically, it's a game that teaches people about inventory ordering and the danger of too much inventory and all that kind of stuff. And I've seen instances where, you know, you could lecture to people for hours about you can't over order inventory and you got to make sure. But when they play the game, there's certain rules, you know, you're not allowed to talk to each other, you have to make so much uh, beer to distribute that kind of stuff. But in the middle of the game, people have this like epiphany that goes, ah, I can't overorder supplies when I don't need them because it causes this bullwhip effect. And what games do is they can compress time and they can expose systems. So when you create a game that, that compresses time, exposes systems, and shows you the fault of conventional thinking, it can really be a powerful learning experience. Now, on the other hand, if we take you know Jeopardy, a Wheel of Fortune, or something like that and say, yeah, that's a great game, that's really – I can see that being poo-pooed by organizations organizations. But when you get down to it, what really makes a game interesting and fun is the balancing of resources, the trade-offs that you have to make, and the ability to see the direct impact of what you're doing. And oftentimes, games in a corporate setting can allow you to have this 30,000-foot view of what's happening. We did uh, uh, another game with an insurance company one time, and we we're going through the game, and the goal was like to acquire customers. And we found out through playing the game that really the only way they were acquiring any new customers was through acquisition. There was no organic wow. growth in the game. Yeah. And it was a huge epiphany for the people playing the game. So games provide those kind of like aha moments that, yeah, somebody can tell you about it, but the learning by doing process and the experience really makes a difference in a well-designed, well-crafted game. And with these kinds of, of games and, and simulations, I mean, not only is that experience uh, uh, anchoring, but it's in a risk-free environment, right? So whether whether you're training for a life and death situation or trying to make sure you don't waste millions of dollars on bad inventory, you want to learn it in, in a game mode, not in the real world. Exactly. And, and the thing that fascinates me the most is if you look at the history of games for learning, it starts in the most life and death situation. So for example... The military has been doing military games for centuries. The medical industry was one of the first industries to jump into games for health, right? So in these areas, why? Well, because they're life and death situations and you want to minimize risk, but you want to maximize 
action and experience. And so um, when you think about sales, wouldn't you like to have the best sales situation ever? Well, games really allow you to practice those skill sets, to hone those skill sets and to think, oh, what if this happens and what if that happens? So yeah, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Games really provide you this freedom to fail. And we know from the research that we learn best after failure, not if we do something really easily, then we don't learn from it. But if we fail at something, we reflect on it, and then we take action and do the right behavior, that's where the most effective learning occurs. And games are great for that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Now, what about on like the, not just the the military and business, but like the consumer games? And we, we both have kids. So my son's 13 years old now. And he does, I mean, he spends too much time playing games. But sometimes I feel like he is getting some like leadership and social skills and com- communication skills. I mean, what do you think? Games frying our kids' brains or are they okay? <laughs> I absolutely think they're okay. And I think the really interesting things are that the skills that uh, kids are learning, your uh, um, kids are learning in the games – are really applicable in other areas. You know, you get on and they play, you know, these multiplayer uh, first-person shooter games and they're talking to each other and they're strategizing and that kind of stuff. The way to maximize that learning is then to ask them later on, so what strategies did you use? Why did you decide to do that? You were trying to communicate with, you know, your teammate, but it didn't work. What do you think the problems were? So games are great experiential theater for to play in and to um, learn about and to experience things. But what will really bring the learning home in playing these commercial games is to have someone ask them to reflect on what they've actually learned playing those particular games. So I, I, I would always, my, my kids actually, my two boys actually got to, like, dad, I'm not going to answer any more questions <laughs> about this game. Right? <laughs> but it really is helpful for solidifying the learning. And uh, there's a guy named Ralph Coster who wrote a book called The Theory of Fun, which was really about creating games. And he said the fundamental element in game is learning. Right? You're learning how to do something. You're learning how to run from point A to point B. You're learning that failure is okay. You just get back up and do it again. And you learn how to communicate, strategize, negotiate. All those great things happen when kids play games. Now, you've got to be careful about the content, but the process in a lot of those commercial games really have applicability. In fact, there was a Harvard Business Review article like years ago, like a decade ago, that said the next leadership training simulation – is going to be World of Warcraft mm, because, wow. you know, you have these people that, you know, they don't directly report to you. You got to divide <laughs> up the loot when you get it. You got to figure out, you know, people all over the world working together. So I really think as we go more and more digital, those skills learned in games are really applicable to what's happening in a lot of organizations. I mean, think about having a global webinar or working with the global team or anything like that. Games really teach you how to do that. That's right. So I'm just curious, what are your boys playing now or what you or your your family, what are the hot games you're interested in? Yeah. So my game right now is Assassin's Creed Syndicate. I love that game. I love that game. So that's my console game. Although, so for years I've had Wii consoles and PlayStation consoles and I always was asked after my wife and I even try to get my boys. I'm like, hey, let's ask mom for an Xbox, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, no. The boys even turned on me. No, dad, we already have two consoles. So I just had my birthday and 
opened up an Xbox. Nice. So I'm going to be on Halo very shortly. <laughs> and then on my phone, I play um, Civilization Light, which is a really interesting strategy game. And so they took Sid Meier's Civilization and really compacted it. So if you want to see how to put something on like a digital device, play Civilization, although you have to commit much of your life to it. <laughs> but once you do that, try it out on the phone. It's, it really makes a big difference. And then I've really been into – I've come back in terms of a board game because I like to play all kinds – is a board game called Pandemic. Mm. And the reason why I like that game is because it's a cooperative game. A lot of times we think of games as being competitive, but that's a cooperative game. So it would be a really good game to play with people to talk about working together, communication, transparency, oh. all that kind of stuff would be a great game to play in kind of a corporate retreat type of environment. Oh, that's that's great advice. And I'm taking notes because back in the day, Carl, I used to uh, I don't probably people think this is weird about me knowing, but like I, I really liked the first person shooters. But now as I'm just about ready to turn 50 and I'm wearing like the third upgraded prescription on my glasses, I just don't have the reflexes or the vision to play against, you know, live players, uh, the, the first person shooters, unless there's some like old guy server I don't know about, <laughs> but I jotted down Civilization Light and I've always seen Assassin's Creed and it looks cool, but I've never played it. And maybe uh, for a guy like me, maybe that's more my pace. I'm not sure. <laughs> right. It's a fun game. I actually had a student who was a professional gamer Wow. and he retired because he was too slow. Oh my God. And the kid's like less than 20, right? I mean, so Ugh. yeah, don't feel bad about that. But I think an old guy server, it would be an awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Like games like that, Assassin's Creed is a good game. Portal's a great game. You know, those kind of games, the Uncharted series, hmm. Uncharted Drake is a great game. And that's very cinematic. If you want to see like a cinematic approach to a game and puzzle, puzzle game, uh, that's a really good game as well. So, so yeah, there's a lot of really interesting games that are out there and they're not all first person shooter. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to know. So Carl, your, your book, goes through a nine-step process for learning game design, which is great, and we don't have time to go through all of that now. But do you have any advice for the the managers out there, the executives, you know, who want to use games for learning or games at their next, you know, offsite? You mentioned Pandemic as as one option. Do you have other ideas? Right. So, yeah, a, a couple of things that, that I advise the folks. So, so one is, you don't have to go out and create your own game from scratch. So you could use something like Pandemic. Another good uh, cooperative game is called um, Forbidden Island, where the island's sinking and four people have different roles. And so that's kind of a neat idea as well. The other thing I say is don't always think digital, right? So we've created a number of really interesting card games based on um, – well, if you're safe for work, it's based on apples to apples. If you're not, it's based on um, cards against humanity. But <laughs> those are really good way – You know, card games are simple, get conversation going. But if you're really going to develop a digital game, and I think there's lots of reasons to do that, first of all, you have to tie it to a very dramatic business need. Sometimes people will come to me and say, yeah, we want a game. Somebody said it's fun. We're going to create a game. I say, if you want people to have fun, give them the day off. If you want them to learn, <laughs> let's play learning games, right? right? And so do that. Make sure it's tied to a business need. And then play test it. So I can tell stories about you know people that think that they knew what the audience liked about games and then 
you know, oh, I, we've known this audience for 40 years. We know everything that they know. Da, da, da. And then the audience is like, I hate this game. So uh, you really need to play test with the subset of the audience to get the game right. Games are really iterative. So a lot of training, you know, we throw it together, we put it out there, we do it once, and we're like, yeah, that's great. We're supposed to change it. All the models say we should change it, but we don't. But in order for a game really to work, it needs to be developed in an iterative process because that's when you find out. So the games actually don't teach. They create this space in which learning can occur. So you've got to carefully craft that space to make sense. The other thing I would say is bring games in at like lunchtime or whatever and play those and then discuss things. Like, so why were we not able to communicate when we played this game? How come we lost to, you know, the pandemic? How come the island sank? Why, you know, ask those kind of questions to think about, oh, because we didn't communicate properly. And you can, the nice thing about a game is you can talk about you can use it as a proxy, right? So you can talk about bad communication during the game in a much safer environment than you could talk about bad communication with you and the person down the hall or you in another department or something like that. And it can really um, start exposing those conversations. And another really interesting game, you know, way back in the 70s, BP had a game to teach people how to deal with a well blowing up oh, in the middle geez. of the ocean, right? <laughs> I mean, think, <laughs> think of that. And then, you know, it's things people say, well, it's unthinkable. It never happened. But what a game does is it allows you to do the what if thinking and gives you the permission to think outside of the realm of possibility. And by doing that, you actually become more prepared when things that are off the charts actually happen. So games provide that kind of thing. So, so those are some advice I would give to – I would definitely say try it. I would definitely say get um, some people together and start with commercial games. And then when you get comfortable with using that and debriefing that, then go ahead and think about creating your own games. Wow, that's great. And I mean, and it's a key takeaway. You know, I wrote down, you know, uh, games create space for the learning to occur. It's not like they directly are doing that. So you've got to orchestrate that. And Carl, before we wrap up, I always like to challenge our listeners to become just a little bit better every single day. So what's something we can try out today? So I would say try out a game that you would never, ever think of playing. <laughs> And then see how you react to it. What do you like about it? What don't you like about it? And long term, we always say like in our, in our nine-step plan, which I won't get into, the first step is play games, but games that you wouldn't play. Because once you do that, then it opens up a world of possibility about dynamics, how things are related, how to balance resources. I mean, there's really, if you take a really kind of a meta look at games, they teach us, they're, they're basically a condensation of elements that happen in life. And if we take time to pick them apart, we can learn an awful lot. That's great. Carl, what's the best way our listeners can find out more about you and your work? Right. So I've got my website, www.carlcop.com, and it's K-A-R-L-K-A-P-P. -P. Uh, it looks like cap, but it's cop. Uh, Twitter, at K-K-A-P-P -P at Twitter. Those are probably the two best places to get a hold of me. If anybody has a lynda.com subscription, they can see some of my uh, courses on lynda.com, and I've got a bunch of books. So if you just Google you know, Carl Cop, you'll find a bunch of my books that I think can be helpful in a lot of different ways. That's great. Friends, you've just been mentored by the awesome Dr. Carl Kopp. Don't forget, you can get the links and notes from this interview over at leadx.org. That's O-R-G. You can get Carl's book from amazon.com or your favorite bookstore. 
and Leadex Nation a big favor before we go. Please go on over to iTunes, subscribe to The Leadex Show, and leave a short, honest review. And let me know. Send me an email. I'm at kevin at leadex.org. And we'll invite you into our private ambassador program on Facebook, where we give away a ton of prizes, give access to our guests, and have a lot of fun. So until next time, remember, my friends, leadership is about influence. It's not about authority. It's not about your title. We are all leaders. The question is, what kind of leader will you be today? <laughs>